This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome in here to Fighting Ever Fighting. I'm Cool Carmody with GoPowerCat.com. Before we get going with this video, make sure you hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. Make sure you like the video, drop a comment if you'd wish. Don't forget to go subscribe to GoPowerCat.com. Now, we get into our conversation with Mark Porter, former Kansas State kicker and dad of Kansas State receivers, Seth and Shane Porter. Welcome in here to Fighting Ever Fighting. Today, we talk with former Kansas State kicker and dad of two current K-State receivers, Mark Porter. First of all, Mark, thanks for taking the time out of your day to hop on the podcast today. Um, for folks who may not know, you, let's just say this. You're, you're very active on Twitter. You support your boys a lot. Um, but like I said, you played at K-State way back um, I don't want to say way back, it wasn't that long ago, uh, but we, you and I were kind of talking, it was pre-Bill Snyder, and a lot of people, when they think of K-State football, they think of Bill Snyder, and we'll have plenty of time to get into that, but um, before we get going, as we have the dogs wander behind on this episode <laughs> of Fighting Never Fighting, um, just let the folks know, what are you up to now, and, and I mentioned both your boys are at K-State, how did that come about, and, and what's life like? Yeah, I'll tell you, it's been it's been pretty awesome, you know, kind of a really like a dream come true. I mean, this past season, uh, the Big 12 championship was actually on my 57th birthday. So I couldn't have gotten a better Christmas pre or a birthday present than than that day. You know, there it was such an amazing experience. But uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm real proud of them. Obviously, they've worked real hard um, to to get you know, to get where they're at and, uh, you know, still continuing to do their thing. And, you know, we, I moved to Houston with their mom, like in 1994. So I've been down here for quite a, quite a while. So they've actually grown up Texas boys, you know, but they always had their purple on and, you know, they always, we used to cruise around like in our neighborhood, I got me nice K-State golf cart and some of the big times we'd beat Texas, like Ron Prince's first year, we were cruising around the neighborhood celebrating and doing all that kind of stuff. So they've grown up Wildcat fans their whole life. Um, they're, you know, adjusting to the weather up in, up in Kansas. Shane's not a big fan of the cold. So but, uh, anyway, but that, that's, that's kind of, kind of the story for now. Well, I think it had to have been a proud dad moment in the Big 12 championship. You mentioned being on your birthday. I specifically remember on a kickoff where both your boys got in on the tackle and had their names announced um, at AT&T Stadium. 
I guess, what was that moment like for you? Because I remember sitting up in the press box thinking how cool that must be. Yeah, it really, really was. Um, you know, <clears throat> it, I mean, it can go all the way back to the, you know, their even Shane's redshirt year to see them both come running out of the tunnel the year before. But this past year, you know, they're both out there on a lot of the special teams together. Um, you know, and then when they can combine, uh, they did that earlier in the year at Fort Worth against TCU. And I've kind of got that, you know, video saved. So I sent that out to, you know, all my friends and everything. And it's pretty funny because the boys will do something and my phone will start blowing up, you know, during, during the games and stuff. So sometimes it's, it's, it's really kind of cool to have, you know, people noticing what they're doing. And you mentioned you guys, uh, raised your kids in Texas, um, before you went to K-State, were you a Kansas kid? What, yeah. what was your kind of background like, and, and what kind of led you to K-State? So I I was born in Salina, uh, lived there um, then to like third grade and moved to California and was in California from like third grade till right before my freshman year of high school. Out there, I was just a, mainly a soccer player. I got on the select teams and traveled and all that kind of stuff. And so we moved back to Kansas. At, so that would have been like 19... 80 or 79 somewhere in there there was no soccer at all so i went to high school at sacred heart there in salina and i said well i'm gonna go out for the football team i didn't really even know the positions or anything so i said well i want to be a wide receiver you know and I, I think i played wide receiver and linebacker my freshman year and it was the day before our first freshman game and they were lining up for kickoff cover and watching the kid kick from the year before junior high, and you know he's running back straight, straight on, and all, you know with the all that stuff. And I was like, hey, can I try, coach? And here I come, soccer style. They never seen before, and it it came pretty natural to me, and uh, you know kind of took off from there. So you growing up in Salina, obviously, I'm sure you knew a lot about K State, but K State again, not exactly uh, um, the, the the university that people think it is today. Football really changed when Bill Snyder took over and really changed the university, what were your impressions of K-State growing up? I know you were right in the backyard, but I'm curious, curious to hear that. Yeah. So, you know, them being, them and KU, you know, being in the big eight that you were kind of exposed to that, you know, with, with the sports. Um, so I was, you know, pretty neutral. And then when it came to kind of recruiting, I was kind of getting recruited by both schools to, to walk on. And I was, almost went to KU and then uh, um, the K-State coaches kind of came in late and the timing of things would have been better because they had a case. They had a senior kicker that was going to, you know, so I could redshirt all that stuff. Um, but yeah, it was all, it was a lot of fun just to, you know, hang out, you know, see, see Aggieville and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And plus, you know, the basketball was good back then too. So, um, you know, I, it was a great decision on my part. Was that kind of, uh, I don't want to say a recruiting tool or a recruiting way to get you to school, but I mean, now people think about KU using their basketball program to get kids to come play football there. Was that something that the coaches actively pursued at K-State? Yeah, so it was interesting. So when I took a visit to Lawrence, it was just like on a Wednesday afternoon, you know, I took a little tour around the facility, the football facility and kind of stuff. And, and, you know, they talked to you about, sure, you know, we want you to walk on what you kick, but then they also kind of started, you know, that knew that I played some receiver too. So I was like, you know, sure. I was thinking that was, you know, at least I, I'd watched a bunch of their games also. So I was like, you know, this is my 
chance to play Division One Big Eight football. So I was kind of set on going there. And then uh, locally at the time, there was a, co- a guy from Salina, a guy named Jim Otto, who was finishing as a, he played at K-State, was a GA there at the time under Coach Dickey. And then he ended up getting to be a uh, full-time wide receiver coach. So he heard through the grapevine that I was maybe going to KU, and he he calls all of a sudden and says, hey, uh, are you going to KU? And I said, well, I mean, I'm just – they offered me a walk-on spot. He said, well, hold on, let, let's, let me see what we can do here. So they bring me up on a Saturday and actually take me to the KU-K State basketball game in Ahern, <laughs> and it was an awesome game. And I was like, oh, never mind. This is a you know, much better situation. I, I just – it sucked me in right off the bat. Ahern was awesome. Uh, I, having the fact that, you know, a guy from Salina was recruiting me, it was just, you know, things were just put point, point in that direction that, you know, I could actually redshirt, which was kind of the plan. Uh, a guy named Steve Willis kick, was kicking there before me. So the timing was really good. And Steve had seen me in some camps and he was like, look, you know, this is a situation. You come redshirt and it, it could be your job. And, uh, you know, it, it worked out for the best. So then you come to K-State and you get on campus, you play for four years. I, I believe I did some, some research before that you finished with the sixth highest uh, made field goal percentage in K-State history. Didn't know if you know that or not, but yeah, there I you go. I, yeah, I knew I was somewhere in there. I had a bad, 1987 was a, a bad year. Um, which unfortunately, you know, a lot of times I'm kind of I'm more remembered for the bad year because because of, of the toilet bowl game, but um, yeah, you know, we were and even back then, you know, like the kickers, it's just like everything. The kickers and the athletes and everything they're just they're just better now nowadays than they were back then. You know, we did I you know I never really even see myself kick on film till I was almost as you know, senior in college, we just didn't do that. You just went out and you just kicked. I had, you know, I went to a few camps and they show a few things and a little bit. So it was all kind of self-taught, you know, how to do that kind of thing. And so it was, you know, we weren't really as dialed in. I mean, even the top guys in the NFL, you know, were 75%, you know, back then and 75% now you're, you're, they're, they're getting rid of you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, when you get there, what was the vibe like? Because, I think, you know, I'm sure you have tons of stories and, and everybody has, has heard about what, what it was like. Um, but you get there and then I know the infamous gray helmets and you get the, the, the purple helmets with the cat script and, you know, all these stories. And is there a single memory that kind of that, that you can think back encapsulates your entire playing career at K-State? Well, I mean, they had just went to a bowl game like two years before I got there. So I got there in 84 and redshirted. Sam Weber was a quarterback at that, you know, that time. And we did have the, and I thought they were cool, you know, the, the gray with the KSU. Um, so, you know, they had just been to bowl game 82. The 1983 class was pretty loaded. I mean, they had a lot of good players in that class. And, you know, it just, I don't know, it just didn't, didn't click. I know Coach Dickey changed, um, you know, offensive coordinators after going into 85. And that didn't click. And, you know, from a negative standpoint, I guess the thing that I'll remember the most is most impactful was the way Coach Dickey was actually fired. 
Um, some people may know the story, but we we lost to Wichita State in the first game, and we were playing Northern Iowa the second game, and we'd lose again. And there's a picture, I think Fitz was on the student paper maybe at that time. There's a picture of the AD, Larry Travis, standing at the top of the hill. We had a little hill, and, you know, with the fourth quarter clock going down. And everybody walked into one entrance, and then the coach's locker room was off this way, and the players were over here. Well, he grabbed the coach, took him inside, and all the assistants were milling around with us. And you kind of knew, you know, what was happening. And then the next day, you know, we have a meeting and, and, you know, he's, you know, he's gone. And I was sitting next to a guy named Bobby Besser. It was one of our uh, offensive linemen. And he leans over and he goes, we just got that guy fired. And, you know, as a young kid, you know, just kind of hits you. You're like, wow, our actions not getting it done on the field, you know, cost this man his, uh, you know, career. And so that's from the negative standpoint, you know, and that unfortunately kept the ball rolling. It didn't get, it didn't get better. Let's put it that way. Um, and so, you know, things just kept sliding downhill from a positive standpoint, the favorite memory would be the 86 uh, game against KU. Um, we played them at home. It was on, you know, on TV and beautiful weather. I think it was early October. Um, yeah, I have, you know, we, we went win. I can't remember the exact score, but it was just, there was riots in Aggieville afterwards. And uh, those, those stories are, are true. That stuff was going on. And it, we, it was just like such an amazing um, high, like you so much excitement. And little did I know at the time, that's the last football game we'd win while I was playing at K-State. And, and that's where I want to go next, because <laughs> that kind of starts the, 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 the train and, and the losses continue to mount up. Um, I, I think people have heard the story, um, but I want to ask you about your perspective. Uh, the last year with Stan Parrish at Tulane, um, that story kind of came back around this past season uh, with, with K-State obviously playing Tulane. Um, what do you remember about that day for the folks that don't know? Would you like to share the story? I think yeah. it's, it's fascinating. It, it really is. So, we go down to New Orleans, we're playing in the Superdome. So right away, that's pretty cool. You know, you're used to playing, you know, outdoor stadium and you're in this, you know, big old huge dome. And, you know, we've basically, you know, more or less had the game won. Um, I remember uh, I kicked the extra point. We scored with like less than two minutes. And I kicked the extra point, I think, and that put us up four, I'm pretty sure. And so... The coaches upstairs, they got so excited, they just left the booth and they come running down. And one of my buddies actually was a GA at the time, Dave Wallace. And I just, he just told me this uh, like a year or so ago that he was still in the booth and everybody had left. And he was trying to, like, hey, you know, so then the communication started going and it was totally messed up. We kick off to him. I think the first play, we had 12 men on the field. Second play uh, was a, personal foul or something. So it was like, bam, bam, you know, they're, they're at midfield. And then it just kind of kept escalating. And then literally the last possible play of the game, they throw a touchdown pass, you know, and beat us. And um, I, I remember going in that locker room and I went off to myself by the side. Cause I, I was a fifth year guy. There wasn't hardly anybody from my class left. I mean, there was just a few of us, uh, Rob Good and Randy Cook, and, you know, some of those guys. 
And I went off in the corner and I literally, I cried like a little girl. It hurt so, so bad because you, you just get, you just get beat down and you go in, you know, you go in there, you just, we always, you know, you're never going to just say, Oh, we don't have a chance. But you know, that one was, it was so close and have it ripped away like that. It just, it, it, that one hurt, you know, real, real bad. And so then to kind of see, where K-State was this past season at the Superdome. I believe that was the first time they'd been down there and the program had played in the Superdome since that moment. Yeah. To see the 180 where they <laughs> – now they're playing Alabama. I can only imagine how cool that must have been uh, yeah. for you personally. Yeah. I, I want to ask you also, we, we were talking before we started recording, the scholarship numbers were obviously not where they wanted to be in mm. the – and the final parts of Stan Parrish's tenure, obviously, before Bill Snyder came in. You you mentioned that you played receiver in high school. Um, they had you in the rotation at receiver <laughs> as well as being the place kicker. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, I my first spring there, I played. I was a receiver and kick, and then got the won the kicking job and just you know kicked. And then we had our pro timing day. Um, going into my senior year and I ran pretty good and the coaches were all of a sudden like, well, Hey man, we're, you know, we're starting spring ball next week. You're going back, going back out there. They basically didn't hardly have any bodies. And so spring ball goes around and I'm like within the, you know, top four or five guys rotating in, in and out of receiver, which was fun because if, I love being a football player. Cause that's always, that's always like been my running joke. People will, you know, you'll meet people out in person and, and they're like, Oh wow. You, you, you played, you know, division one football and you, you played for Kansas city chiefs and all this stuff. And they're like, Oh, what position, you know? And I, and I say kicker and you just see this, uh, like a disappointment on their face. Like, Oh, you're not really a football player. So it felt great to be a, you know, quote, a football player again. Um, but there was some concerns. I was like, wow, you know, I am trying to get to the league and you know well i really better focus that and then luckily we signed frank hernandez and and smitty and those guys came in and you know did their thing and, and uh you know got got the least got on the field hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, I understand. As a former long snapper, whenever you talk to people <laughs> about those specialists, it uh, it always brings up some good conversations. Um. So after your final season, you play your last game at K-State, um, and then Bill Snyder gets announced. Mm. What were you kind of – what were you thinking when they had made that announcement? Obviously, you're done. You're out of eligibility. You're getting ready to move on. But did you feel like at the time that that was a move that would uh, maybe not take K-State to where it is now, but that could elevate the program? Yeah. You know, we we – We'd played Iowa twice. We played them in 87, actually at their place. And actually, that was a pretty tight game. The funny story was <laughs> we were in a team hotel and the, had the student newspaper. And each was on our, our beds and the predicted score was 77 to nothing. <laughs> and we're like, which we never got beat that bad, but we got beat 
close to that over, several times over the years. So it really kind of motivated us. And we it was a pretty tight game till basically midway through the fourth quarter. So and then my senior year we played him again. So we had heard about, you know, his offense was really innovative, particularly for you know the Big Ten back then. So there was a lot of, you know, there was several coaches came through. Actually one named Ron Dickerson, I actually met, talked to him in the locker room. He was kind of doing the tour. So, you know, you're hearing all these names and then, you know, they get with him. And right off the bat, I think one of the first things he did um was he pulled all us seniors in and had a uh, meeting and it was look lay it on the line he goes you guys aren't you know you're not gonna be here let me know what you think and we you know we just let him you know spoke our minds spoke our hearts and you know really more from the hearts it was just like and he talks about it in several of his books that meeting and, and he talks about this was a beaten down group of young men and we really were because it's like you know you, you want to compete and you want to win games and you know, we we weren't we shouldn't have been as bad as we were. I mean, we had enough players to at least win a few games. You know, we should and uh, you know we weren't going to be you know seven eight win team, but we could have should have. There's, I mean, all those years we could have won you know a lot more games than we did, and uh, to just to have it happen the way it did, it was it's kind of indescribable. <laughs> And so then, obviously, the rest is history, right? I mean, yeah. Schneider turns the program around, and mm-hmm. and here you are, you know, twenty years later, and your your sons now are members of the K State football program under Chris yeah. Lyman. Um, I guess when did you realize that uh, your boys could have a chance to play at the next level? And then when it looked like K State might be an opportunity, what was that? What were those conversations like? Well, it's pretty good. I mean, obviously, you know, they're playing six eight football down here in Houston, so they, you know, they were playing in about as good a competition as you can, and and they stood out, and they, you know, they they were noticeable on the field. So I knew that they had a chance. Obviously, Seth's size, you know, was a, a big issue, um, but he, uh, you know, he had, and actually, he was a defensive back. Uh, his they moved him to defense back his junior and senior year but that was that was kind of like whatever I'll do whatever you know to, to get on the field kind of thing uh Dan Demo at the time was still at K-State and Andre Coleman was still at K-State and Sean was was still there so my boys have been going to the camps in the summer probably from you know junior high on and I know one year um they had uh, like a seven on seven kind of thing and uh, had different high school coaches coaching. Well, Brooks Barta was coaching my boys and they, they showed out pretty good um, and that kind of thing. So anyway, uh, after the camp, you know, it was, we were going into the last day and Dana just nonchalantly goes, Hey, Seth's got a you know, preferred walk on spot. And we both kind of looked at each other like, are you sure? You know? And I mean, Seth was on cloud nine and even his guys like, his secondary, I think all four of them ended up going Division One. They had one signed at Arizona State, one went to Stephen F. Austin, another one went to Louisiana Lafayette, and Seth went to K-State. So, you know, he, he was used to that. And then this was a walk-on spot, but even his buddies were like, well, what if, you know, so other schools start recruiting from a scholarship standpoint, and they're like, well, what if this school offers you a scholarship? And he's like, nope. What if this school offers you? Nope. You know, and then they go, okay, what if Alabama gives you a scholarship? He's like, nope. He goes, I'm going to K-State. So that was, you know, the kind of thing for Seth. Now, Shane's situation was even tougher because he was a quarterback um, basically all his life. Um, and then 
they had some receivers get hurt his senior year, and they had uh, it was actually uh, Colby McAllister's little uh, brother. He was the backup quarterback, and he was a pretty good talent. So they asked Shane to move to receiver. His, you know, the last six, seven games of senior year, which he wasn't real thrilled about, but he did it. And I told him, I go, look, odds are you can be a receiver in college anyway. Put some film out there, and he showed out. He made all district, and you know, you know, did his did his thing. But there weren't as many spots available at the time, and so, uh, you know, we've made it up for plenty of visits. They've seen him. They were looking for more length at the you know receiver's position. You know, Shane's five ten, six foot, somewhere in that range. And <clears throat> we kept kind of waiting around. Well then finally, Brad, I think it was the uh it was the Iowa State game. Uh I think it was a, I think it was the Iowa State game. They uh they came up and said, Look, we want to do they had they had to do it as a gray shirt, but it was preferred walking around as a gray shirt. So Shane stayed down here in Houston, went to school, you know, his first semester. And then he got up there in January with, you know, and his, he lives with Jake uh, Rubley and, and uh, Trey Krause. And they, they got a real good, good setup that they're, they're really good tight buddies. So it worked out for both boys. Um, couldn't be prouder of them. And, uh, you know, it's just a, it, it is pretty amazing that, you know, the pictures I get, um, you know, the texts from people, all this kind of stuff. So it's a, uh, and, you know, then to top it off with that Big 12 championship game, it was, you know, we were actually, my wife and I were actually in a booth. A buddy I played with is in sales uh, in Dallas, and he had a had a booth. So there was several K-State people in there, and we we were literally just crying tears of joy, you know, after after that game. And it was uh, a lot better than a lot better than my trying in the Superdome in 88. So it was, uh, you know, to see that is just a, you can't even really imagine it. It's amazing how life comes full circle. It really yeah. is. Uh, yeah. I think, I think to see both of your boys out there uh, in the, in the Superdome against Alabama in the mm. big 12 championship, I can imagine how, what kind of surreal moment that was for you. We've talked to, to Seth multiple times about his decision to come back for his COVID year um, at K-State and, and just with talking with him and talking with you, uh, he seems like the kind of kid who absolutely loves K-State and that was never really a thought of if I'm going to do it, it's just going to be a matter of when I'm going to tell everybody that I'm going to do it. When he yeah. made that decision, um, how excited were you to know that you get to see your boys play together for one more season? Yeah, uh, it was really cool. I mean, I was more, you know, I was worried because, you know, he's he was – his body's, you know, they're pretty beat up at that that age. You know, he's already joking. He's like, "Man, I'm I'm not as fast because I'm I'm you know I'm getting I'm, I'm old." And I'm like, "You're not old. Just you know, get through, you know, winter conditioning and stuff. You'll be fine." Um, but yeah, it was uh, you know just just an amazing experience. I think he went out for senior day at the KU game, and I think then he just realized, you know, hey, I I you know you. You can't just, you know, uh, if you got an opportunity to do this one more time, he's like, let's let's run it back. And he's going to have a chance to be right in the mix at receiver this year. But one thing that both of your boys have kind of made a name for themselves at is on special teams. And with you being a kicker, obviously, that's got to be pretty cool. And, and with K-State being known as, you know, quote-unquote special teams you, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing. It's a big deal for K-State. I guess when you, whenever you get a chance to talk to people and you mentioned how whenever people talk to you and you say you were a kicker, 
when you talk to people and you describe how important special teams are, I mean, is there any way of measuring the impact that not just you, but your boys have had on special teams and, and really the whole unit as a whole? Yeah, because I mean, it's it's like field position, um, you know, point scored. I know, like Seth, I, I can't remember. It was a COVID year. You know, he blocks a punt against Texas Tech, the first possession of the game, and I. It was such it was so cool. But then I was like, man, it'd be nice to have a full stadium. You could hear that, you know, the, the roar of that kind of stuff. And then they, you know, they go through things. I mean, I've got a film clip of Shane making the, you know, solo tackle against the the kid from Alabama that got drafted in the like top ten or twelve or whatever. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, look, that's something you're, you know, you'll be able to show your grandkids forever. And um, and then I think, you know, Seth's play in the Big Twelve Championship game that where he catches the punt, you know, right with like thirty seconds to go. I mean, that was a. It, it, some people forget about that play, and other people are like, "Look, that was you know a pretty big play because if that ball rolls in the end zone, you know they they just got to go a few yards and maybe get a chance for a field goal." So, um, him and him and Ty in the whole special teams unit, I mean, they they take pride in, in making those things happen, and um, so it's it's good to see see them both out there, and then when they you know. It's nothing cooler when they both in on a tackle and they get up and you see them high fiving each other and stuff. That's that's uh, that's pretty awesome. I got two more things before you before we let you go. I want to ask you now about the kicking position, not um, specific specifically for K State. Um, Ty obviously had an outstanding end of the season, but now K State goes into twenty twenty three with um, <laughs> inexperience at the kicking position. I guess you could say. How mm-hmm. hard is it as a kicker? Uh, to be able to flush everything that's happened before and understand now you have a, a clean slate, it's a brand new season, you're zero for zero, and you get a chance to start off on a good foot? Yeah. So, you know, I had a guy early on in my career, he's like, don't don't miss the same kick twice. You know, it's like if you miss one, you got, you know, you got to forget about it and stuff. Um, I think – the less you think as a as a place kicker, the the better you are. You know, just it trade. It's just a repetitive muscle memory thing. A lot of it, I kind of you know the course of comparisons of a golf swing and that kind of thing. So where you just you get out there and just trust your your mechanics and your muscle memory to take over. Don't think about things because I can remember a lot of jogging off field after a made field goal sometimes like man i wouldn't even concentrate and then and that's when i knew i was kind of in the zone you know if i got in my own head those were the ones who you know could end up end up being in being bad and and final question here as we wrap up the show um i don't know if you're a man of predictions or not but i did hear you talk about i've heard you talk about the big 12 championship multiple times (laughs) do you have any bold predictions for k-state ahead of the 2023 season we just, as Coach Clement says, we just take it one game at a time. <laughs> so I'm not, I don't want to get back, getting back that I made some bold prediction. But I, I mean, I think they're going to be good. Um, offensively, I mean, Deuce is Deuce, you know. So you, that's that's a once in a lifetime type of talent. I have heard good things. I saw I saw a couple practices, and, and I think you know DJ being there is going to be strong. Uh, the transfer award, I think he. There was a couple plays. I was like, he looked a lot like Deuce out there, so he's pretty quick. Will's going to have confidence. You know, I think they're going to spread the field some more. And you got 
all the line back, and then you got Big Ben, you know, Senate. I mean, that's a uh, that's a lot lot to uh, build off on off offensively. Defensively, he lost two two corners to the league, you know, so that's going to be, you know, those are, those are hard to replace. So I would think if we can kind of shore up some of the secondary stuff, you know, from the corners and the safeties, and then, you know, up the middle, you know, Eli and those guys were, they're pretty tough. I think Uso's the, the big kid now, but he, he's, I don't, he's going to be, you know, one or two type play guy and need, you know, getting rotated around. So, um, linebackers, I think that's going to be a strength. Um, so I think we're, we're solid there. So, you know, it just, we're, you know, we're going to be the hunted this year. We're not sneaking up on anybody. So, uh, but I think this, the way that these kids are, I mean, the culture that they, they've created, and that's one of the things that Coach Kleiman, you know, really reiterated. And I can even remember, you know, Seth's first position, well, second position coach, sorry, he's been through so many. Coach Ray talked about it in North Dakota State that they the players kind of self police themselves, and that's where the, it's progressed. You know, so these kids, you know, they take accountability of what they're doing, you know, uh, as representing the program, and they, you know, they're out there busting it. And so they're they're work going to work real hard this summer. Get ready, you know, get kids healthy, and uh, you know, get out there every week and see what they can come up with. And by God's will, they'll make Mark Porter. Uh, cry tears of happiness once again at the end of the season. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's hope so. And then, uh, yeah, we'll be. Uh, I guess they'll be fifty-eight this time. So it, uh, you know, <laughs> just it'll be uh, it'll be quite quite an experience. Let's hope hope for the best. There you go, Mark. Thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll stay in touch and talk to you next time. There you go, go Cats. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker, CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.